And now, on with the show. Hey everyone, welcome to We're Watching Here. We're Watching Here. This is Opinionated Movie Talk with Chris and Perry. My name is Chris Williams. With me, he is the Austin Butler to my Tom Hanks, Perry Cyber. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much, Chris. I want to thank you. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for that integration. Thank you. Thank you very much. I would attempt to do a Tom Hanks in Elvis <laughs> impersonation, but uh I don't know if I could be as bad. Like, you could do just anything and it's acceptable. It's just no, you know, who knows what the Colonel sounded like. The, the I, only line I remember him saying in the movie is, he's white. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That, I, that is the one that burns into the brain, doesn't it? I think it was uh, critic David Ehrlich who said it best when he described that performance as Kentucky Fried Gold member, uh, which made me laugh. I, I, I understand. So look, here's my problem. I understand why people are giving this performance a really hard time. And I'm not saying it's great, but like, obviously this was what Baz Luhrmann wanted. Like, it's not the kind of performance I would ever blame the actor for. Right. Like, <laughs> so, well, the so only like, problem is I also saw Pinocchio, which he filmed at the same time. And that's two really weird, bad accent tinged performances from Tom Hanks. <laughs> He's just trying to keep himself entertained. I think he had long COVID, so. <laughs> well, it might have been COVID during Elvis. Let's it not forget. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that, was, was that might have been real Elvis. COVID right there. <laughs> uh, how are you doing, Perry? I am well. I am well. I have a wonderful story to tell that I will tell later in the show. Awesome. We're going to talk Oscars today. So we're a few days out from the Oscar ceremony. And what's nice is any emotion I had has kind of died down so I can think logically. But I don't really have strong emotions except for, you know, spoiler alert, a lot of happiness. It was a uh, it was a fun ceremony to watch. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But Perry, what have you been watching? So. Uh, the small town I grew up in is Cairo, Michigan, the hub of the thumb, the county seat of Tuscola County. And in the in Cairo, there is a single screen old time theater called The Strand, which is my that is my hometown movie theater. It's where I saw movies all the time growing up. It was a five minute walk from my house to get to, <laughs> to, get to the movie theater. Uh, and it was... Uh, I have all sorts of wonderful memories of the theater, not just seeing there, but on the side, like it, it's on the corner uh, block of a building downtown and the wall leading up to the door um, had these three, they seemed humongous when I was a child. I realized now they're just normal size, but giant poster windows where they would post the stuff, the posters of the films that were coming oh, yeah, and they yeah. would move up every week. So you could see what was coming. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, I, I'm waxing rhapsodic because the strand has fallen on some uh, incredibly hard times due to COVID and due to uh, a new owner who has discovered there is lots of work that needs to be redone if they want to make this place uh, viable going forward. Uh, and so they've been closed for a while. And in order to get some use out of the space, a friend of mine who I went to high school with, an acquaintance of mine who I went to high school with many years ago, uh, started a, a, a little cinema appreciation group in Cairo uh, and asked me to come board as the house critic. Uh, and basically Fine. it's an excuse to... Uh, people who are members of the group and you pay to become a member of the group get to nominate uh, a film or two. And then every month he presents eight possible films 
and then everybody votes and then the film that gets the most votes is what they screen the next month and uh there's no anybody can come to the screenings you don't have to be a member even uh but there's no price you don't pay to go because they're showing them off dvds and blu-rays that people uh, sure. bring and get and acquire uh because the, the strand is no longer actually functioning as a movie theater they don't they don't show first or second run movies there at the time they mm-hmm. open every saturday night from five to nine so you can come buy popcorn they are attempting to keep the lights on that way for a while nice. um but this is a nice thing to do to keep the theater alive uh for the first time i was able to go to one of the screenings because uh they were showing casablanca oh. and so i had the joy of seeing casablanca uh, on a big screen for the first time in 92 20 years wow probably 20 years uh no wait 30 30 i'm older yeah than yeah i was wondering if you're in the 90s there i'm like i don't know if your math 30 is 30 years since right. i've seen that in the theater oh uh not that i've seen it many times since then but mm-hmm. in the theater there is uh and it was fun to be with a group of about 50 people turns out at, uh, at least over a quarter of them had never seen it before wow. which was a, just a joy that people were choosing to spend their saturday afternoon in my hometown this way it was was really exciting and Get to say a few words ahead of time, lead a little discussion afterwards. And uh, it was a really joy. It was a joy to be back in uh, very much my hometown theater and uh, to be able to watch something that good with a bunch of people again. That is awesome. I have never seen Casablanca on the big screen. I've seen it. I've seen it on a 30 inch TV screen. If, uh, I think the Michigan still shows it for free every year. Well, if it's oh, really? free for students. Okay. Uh, every, I think every september back to school time they have a free showing of casablanca that is uh, it's it's a, again it's free with uh, an id from the school but anybody can buy a ticket to get it i have to check that out i'd love to see that on the big screen the problem is i've asked my wife to watch, to watch casablanca with me several times and she's like oh i kind of hate that movie and oh it's one of those things you don't find out till after you're married either because it would have been a good non-negotiable <laughs> but whatever. you're in well, now fun. that that's really fun that's uh sounds cool what have you been watching, Chris? Um, you know, okay, so every time we do this, I pull up my diary on Letterboxd to remind me what I've been watching over the last few weeks. And I was really surprised that I have seen six new movies, four of which are sequels. Uh, that is the time of year we are in right now. Um, the, <laughs> so, so I was kind of going through, well, what do I want to talk about? And I mean, Cocaine Bear and Jesus Revolution are exactly what you think Cocaine Bear and Jesus Revolution are, but they are a really weird double feature. I will just say that. That's <laughs> them. Um, you know, I saw Ant-Man. It was there, you know, even as a Marvel guy, it was not good. Uh, Creed 3, really good. I like that. Scream 6, it is the sixth Scream movie. Um, but I'm really excited because there was a sequel that is not even coming out for another week once this goes live. But it premiered at South by Southwest, so I can tell everyone about it, because I also saw a screening this week uh, here in the Detroit area. I did not get to go out to South by Southwest. And that is John Wick, Chapter 4, which premieres on March 24th. Uh, Perry, are you a John Wick fan? Have you Here's seen- the thing. I have never seen any of the John Wick movies, and it's okay. not out of a lack of desire. It's not that I was opposed, but like I, the first one, oh, the first one, I thought I don't need to see this, and then everybody's talking about how great it was. And I was like, well, I check that out at some point. And then before I knew it, there were two sequels, and I thought I should catch up with them. Like I'm, I'm interested enough to want to see them. And then I noticed that they all showed up on HBO Max 
like a month ago. Uh, and that's the first time they've been readily available anywhere on any normal streaming platform. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have had them at the top of my list at HBO Max. And I, I, I will get to the original John Wick, I promise, sometime this month. Tell me, though. Tell me. Could I jump right into John Wick 4 without having seen 1, 2, or 3? Absolutely not. Okay, uh, good, good. This <laughs> no. makes me very happy. No, it is. Um, I, I enjoy this series. I, like you, I heard the first one was about a hitman avenging his dead dog. And I was like, yeah, okay, I can skip out on that one. And then everyone told me it was good. And I saw it. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is really good. And the sequels kind of, you know, go bigger each time out. And it is an enjoyable series. I think uh, Chad Stahelski, the director of it, he was Keanu Reeves' stunt double for ages. And this is just a series of movies that is a love letter to stunt filmmaking. And they get bigger and better every time out. Well, bigger every time out. Not always better. Um, but I love there's a there's a really probably too elaborate mythology around the world this movie takes place in. Uh, You know, there's a cabal of assassins who basically run the world by this point. And chapter four is more of the same, uh, except bigger. Uh, This is a very big, loud movie that is best seen in IMAX. It is globetrotting. It takes place all around the world. Um, I was really excited to see this. I did not expect that the movie that would be brought to mind uh, several times when I was watching this would be Singing in the Rain. Um, All right. It is, I I mean, this is a movie that is a love letter to stunt workers. It is the reason why they should have a uh, stunt category at the Oscars, um, because what they understand with this is a great action sequence should be filmed like a musical sequence. Mm -hmm. Uh, You should be getting as much of the performers bodies in that shot as you can cutting as little as you can. And for almost three hours, this is just an unending parade of very highly intricately uh, choreographed fight sequences that just seek to seek to one up the one that came before. Uh, There is an hour long stretch at the end of this movie that feels like you are sightseeing through Paris because they stop at the Arc de Triomphe. There is a fight up the stairs for the, um... oh no, I'm blanking on the name. The steps leading up to the cathedral. Um... The, the Notre Dame? No, not Notre Dame. Um, I'm going to get this. I'm probably going to edit this. Yeah, that's fine. There is a fight uh, going up the 300 steps to Sacré-Cœur. Um, oh, <laughs> That that unfolds over the space of about 20 minutes and is the most audacious, thrilling thing I have seen. Um, I, I really, I had a great time with this. Uh, Keanu Reeves, I always enjoy watching him, but Donnie Yen kind of comes in and steals the whole show. Um, it, it's the one movie in the series where I think they get the mythology completely the right tone. It's just over the top enough to feel mythic, um, but it doesn't crawl up its own ass like kind of the third one did. Um, yeah, I had a great time with this. I don't want to say more because it doesn't open for another week, but it's big. It's loud. I laughed a lot. I cringed awesome. a lot. Um, I, I greatly enjoyed this. I am trying to convince my wife to go see it on our anniversary weekend, and I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> but you know what? I will happily buy the 4K Blu-ray when that comes out. So All right. That is John Wick. Chapter 4 comes out next week. I think people are already buying their tickets. So good for them. They, they're going to enjoy that. 
hopefully I can grind through six hours of John Wick on HBO Max and go see it. They they are fun. I I have a good time with those. Um, they're they're easy watches. Um, what when uh Donnie Yen came on the screen though, I was thinking back to the Oscars to kind of segue into our discussion. Uh, Donnie Yen came out as a performer at this or as a presenter at this year's Oscars, mm-hmm. and it made me think how much cooler would it be if Donnie Yen was presenting an award for best stunts? Um, <laughs> I, I forget what he was presenting, but it was not that. Uh, but it was uh. Yeah, he, he's really good. He's a lot of fun in that. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll see right into talking the Oscars. Uh, this past Sunday was the 95th annual Academy Awards. Uh, we have talked the Oscars the last few years. It's it's a fun show to talk about. Uh, Perry, I know you kind of build your film film going year around the Oscars. I do. I do at this point. I can't much help it. And uh, yeah, I loved I loved the show. <laughs> like not that it was you know the most memorable thing on the planet but i guess it was the first time in about six years that they've had tv producers make the show as opposed mm-hmm. to film producers and boy you can tell and i mean that as a compliment it was a television show it's a really well done competent moving television show i mean moving in the sense that it moved not that it you know dragged for any long length of time any worse than any other oscar show does uh it, the performances that were there were all at least nothing ground the show to a halt um okay. I, I and when you have something as spectacular as the dancers from rrr out there like something that you know was killing both on tv and in the room uh and then to have you know no winners that you hate how yeah. great it was a good show it was, just, it was a really enjoyable three hours plus I agree. In fact, I think at the very end, Jimmy Kimmel started making jokes about how next up is Good Morning America and jokes about the show's length. And I'm like, well, that didn't feel that long. And then I looked at my clock. I'm like, oh, it's 1130. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I remember nights where this wrapped up at like one in the, at one yep. in the morning. Um, yeah, I, I thought it, you know, got in and out, you know, as quickly as possible while still presenting awards for every category, which uh, every category got to be up there live. Uh, I enjoyed that. Um, How do you feel about Jimmy Kimmel in general? I think that at this point, Jimmy Kimmel might be the best possible host for the Oscars that I think he brings. I think he, he is enough of a, he has enough of an understanding of celebrity culture to not push this too far like he, I don't think he'll cross, he won't cross lines. He knows that would genuinely hurt and offend anybody. Uh, but at the same time, he's going to make it readily apparent that none of this is important. <laughs> and I think that's a really good line to walk that that's, that's, and, and he's, he's again, it's a TV show. He knows how to do a TV show. Yeah. He's real good at doing a TV show. And that's what this was. The monologue was funny had just enough zingers on it. I like, I really enjoyed the joke about Tom Cruise and James Cameron not being there. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I think he's, I think he's really good at it. As long as he wants to do it, I don't see why ABC just shouldn't keep using him since he's theirs. Yeah. I, you know, I've been, I'm a little embarrassed to say that I've been a fan of Jimmy Kimmel way back in the man show days, which just shows hopefully how much I've grown as a person, but uh, <laughs> uh, you know, actually probably back on win Ben Stein's money. I That's think. where I first fell in love with him. Yes. Um, and he is, he's, he's, he felt like a very stabilizing presence this year, especially after last year was, you know, kind of 
it was marred by by the assault in the middle of it. Um, and, and I thought like, oh, it, it's kind of you know a, a reliable host. We're we're familiar with him. I think his jokes are funny. He doesn't, you know, I don't think there's ever been an Oscar host where I've been like doubled over in laughter the whole time. Um, but his jokes were fine. They were funny. I laughed. He took a dig at Babylon that I appreciated. <laughs> he, uh, you know, ju- he said just enough about Tom Cruise that Tom Cruise probably wouldn't have been super happy about an L. Ron Hubbard joke. Um, but what I appreciated too was the one thing I never liked about Kimmel was when he would do things like invade a movie theater or bring a tour bus of people onto stage. And it really often felt like, let's make fun of the normal folk. Like it felt very condescending at times. And there was none of that this year. It was, you know, he came out, did his monologue and popped out a few times after that. Yeah. Um, I, I liked that. They kept most of the montages at bay, except for the, weirdly inexplicable ads for disney and warner brothers the disney one in particular i was like what the hell that was um yeah i actually like the warner brothers one i was okay with that and it is it's 100 years for warner brothers so i'm like that's that's okay you do that at the oscars that makes sense disney just felt like they were getting free advertising time on their own network but you know all right and here's the thing i've heard you know, people suggest that to bring in more of the casual viewers, kind of pull, take a page from the Super Bowl, and maybe each studio can premiere a trailer for one of their big films during the Oscars. And I'm like, I kind of like that idea. And when they did the Little Mermaid thing, my thought was, okay, I might be okay with this if then every studio also gets to yeah. play a trailer during this. But nope, it was just Disney playing the Little Mermaid and. Yeah, that was kind of gross. If it uh, not even AB, on ABC, yeah, on their own yeah. network. Yeah, it's just, it's icky. Yeah. I, I was kind of shocked the Warner Brothers one got on there. I'm like, oh, Disney must have charged them a ton to uh, <laughs> to play this. Um, I liked the I liked the musical numbers. I don't always like those. I thought Lady Gaga was very good as always. Um, I like. Have you gotten around to RRR yet? No, and I, I won't. But I love okay. that performance. That was spectacular. Okay. What's crazy is watching that and realizing, oh, this is really energetic and fun, but in the movie, it's even more high energy and kind of crazy. Like, but it's just such a it's such a great. So I was glad that one. I love that moment in the movie, and I loved watching that at the show. Speech was fantastic too. That to, yeah. to sing to sing the speech to the Carpenter song was great. Well, what I had heard was the guy who won it, um, whose name I don't have at hand right now, but. He had given an, I think he'd given a speech at the Golden Globes when under the song one, and it was very boring. And someone might have talked to him and said, "You might want to spice it up a bit." <laughs> it was a night full of good speeches. It was. There was there was nobody who laid an egg up there. It it felt very joyful. Yeah. Um, sometimes sometimes I get the feeling at the Oscars that there's kind of this tone like everyone's. I don't know, snarky or angry or doesn't even want to be there sometimes, it feels like. And uh, this year, it felt like everyone was genuinely happy, not only to be there, but the happiness they had for each other sometimes. Um, yeah. Ariana DeBose breaking into tears when she announced Kihei Kwan's name. Was, was, I thought that was very moving. I, what I found most touching in this capacity is that 
so nobody made everything everywhere all at once expecting to win an Oscar. Yeah. Right. Like it's, that's why it's great. Like, that's why it seems really genuine Mm -hmm. because they didn't do it for this at all. And not only the fact that they won it, but that they all kind of deserve it. I have my reservations about Jamie Lee Curtis, but that they all really deserve it. You know, it is great. They're all really worthy to win that award. I mean, I, I, I don't know that, you know, I'm I'm not quibbling. I have their performance. I like better in almost each of the categories, but they're all worthy. They really are. They're they're great performances. And that's, that all led to this. And the fact that everything ever all at once is exactly the kind of movie Hollywood has been making nonstop for the last 20 years, 15, 20 years. And now someone came along and made it with their hands and figured out how to make it in a way that was not only, you know, had some actual emotional depth to it, but was made handmade. Like, so it's, I, I think I read that it won seven Oscars, which is the most any film has won since gravity. Wow. Okay. And they're similar. These are these, you know, these seeming epics that are handmade. That, you know, this wasn't thousands of people, but, you know, armed together by a maniacal director to follow his vision. It was this these two beautiful little handmade curios by these mm-hmm. genuine originals uh, in the world. And uh, that's why it was all it was all such a great evening. If only gravity had one best picture, you know. And, and how crazy that a small studio like A24 just dominated the night. Dominated. Like that yeah. that that's insane and it's refreshing. Um, yeah, let's talk a little bit about the winners. I don't know if there's a particular category you wanted to start with. Uh, we can build up to the bigger ones. Uh, you know, well, let's, I mean, two films dominated the night, right? It's like, mm-hmm. it's like All Quiet on the Western Front won practically all the technical awards and cinematography. Uh, you know, it won it won art direction because they built trenches, I guess. I don't know. And then, and then, yeah, everything everywhere won everything else except what? Uh, thank goodness they gave Sarah Polly an Oscar. My favorite filmmaker of the 21st century has an Oscar, even if it's for writing. I'll take it. That oh, was, even if it's for writing. That, that writing's the good award. That was my <laughs> highlight of the evening. Yeah. As long as she gets into the Academy, can only improve things. Uh, and and then the whale winning Best Actor. It was. It was weird to be so entertained by two movies dominating everything. And for there to be no drama. Once Jamie Lee Curtis won early in the night, you knew everything everywhere was going to win everything. Because that was the only one that was maybe not going to happen. And there once was, they got that, it's, there's no drama left. There was a stretch halfway through where I thought, oh, is All Quiet on the Western Front going to surprise everyone and get it? And I, full disclosure, I have not seen All Quiet on the Western Front mm-hmm. yet. Um, and it could be a wonderful film. And and maybe it is. I, I know many people who are on both sides of that. Um, but I was like, oh, this this could be interesting. Um, and then, it, you know, I don't want to say it wasn't interesting, but it wasn't surprising the way everything ended up going. Right. Um, but it did provide a little bit of suspense in the night. Um, I, I did keep hearing that score from All Quiet on the Western Front throughout <laughs> the night. And I can't believe that one best score. <laughs> It's as dour as the film. Yes, indeed. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I can't complain about any of the winners. I, I think like you, with uh with Jamie Lee Curtis's win, that's not even the right win for the movie. Right. Um, Correct. I, I would have from that movie, I would have gone with Stephanie Shu. But overall, I probably would have gone with Carrie Condon. I feel that you were on the exact same page. Yeah. Yes. Um, but you know, I'm not 
I'm not going to say take an award away from Jamie Lee Curtis, who, you know, I love Jamie Lee Curtis. Right. I, I understand that movie. Yeah. I understand why she wins. And I'm not, and again, I don't think she's undeserving would not have been my choice. Um, but it's not like it's a bad performance. It's very entertaining. It's very funny. Yeah. And, and it was, it was a blast to watch actresses, two actresses who became famous for genre movies, for horror films and action movies, win the Oscars. Yeah. <laughs> And actresses of a particular age at that. Uh, it's fantastic. Just great. <laughs> it was great. So entertaining. I feel for best actress, it was the one year where I was rooting for a tie. Um, <laughs> you know, because there, there is a part of me that is sitting here going, in 10 years, everyone is going to, you know, watch Tar and be like, oh yeah, Kate Blanchett won best actress for this, right? Uh, because... <laughs> I mean, that is one of the strongest performances of her career, and that is quite a career to be saying something about. Yeah. But in, at the end of the day, she already has two Oscars. It's fine. Give it to Michelle Yeoh, who exactly. is fantastic and everything everywhere all at once. I will, I will say this about Tar now instead of saying it later. It joins the very distinct company of being one of three films to have won the New York Film Critics, the LA Film Critics, and the National Society of Film Critics Award for Best Picture – and then not win the Oscar for Best Picture, joining uh, its social network and LA Confidential. And I would like to point, it's the only one of those three films to not win any Oscars. That's crazy. (laughs) Not just not Best Picture. It won no Oscars. (laughs) Well, what's crazy is there was a certain part of the year where I kept thinking back to Tar. And I think even when I put my top 10 list, which it appears on, um, I think there was a part of me dismissing it as, you know, kind of the Kate Blanchett uh, great performance delivery system. But the closer we get to the Oscars and I start reflecting on all the nominees, I'm like, well, actually, Todd Field's script for that is so rich and yeah. so, like, well thought out. And he cre- he does just as much world building as anything in Avatar. It's just a more recognizable world. Exactly. You know, it's our world. Um well, I don't know if it's our world. It's a world that well, okay. exists. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't really know that world, but I feel like I do more now. I, I'm like, that That movie is going to stick to the ribs for years. That that I can see that one having a, uh, a appeal similar to There Will Be Blood, uh, in which that's going to stick around as one of the decade's <laughs> great movies. Uh, I, I think it's gonna be, you're going to see that one eventually end up on the sight and sound list. I would agree. Um, wholeheartedly so i would have liked to see that win some sort of award um it it, like i said jokingly wink at the time i I, it should have won best song for that thing she plays on the accordion when she's driving her neighbors crazy that's 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 so good that's so good that's maybe my favorite moment out of time of any movie it last year it's so good i also think i would have liked to see banshees of inna sharon i mean best screenplay I, I would have at least liked to see it get that or Barry Keoghan. Well, no. Okay. Barry Keoghan may have been my pick for who should have won best supporting actor. Uh-huh. If we're going based on the performance, but Kihei Kwan's story has been so much of a joy to watch. Sure. And he's so good in that. Yeah. He's great. Yes. Um, God. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it, it was really not a matter of, I can't believe this movie won. And more thinking throughout the night, well, couldn't this movie have won two? 
Like, could could yeah. this one have well one have won? Couldn't this one have won as well? Um, like you look at best actor, and that's just every person in that deserved to win. Um, you want a tie for best actress, and I want Brendan Gleeson just nominated with Colin Farrell, and for them both to win. Like, it should just be one entry. This the two of them together should have won best actor. Yeah. That's that's how I feel. That's where my heart went. That's who I would have wanted to vote for. Uh, but that's 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 very much me. <laughs> I, I was very also happy to see Sarah Polly win. Uh, so great for an award that I thought was going to go to Glass Onion. I'm very bad about predicting things, um, and, and my assumption was it was going to go to Glass Onion because it's kind of the flashier structure and things like that. Um, but my pick for what should have won was always Women Talking, and. I'm very thankful that um, out of the four movies, she probably should have won an Oscar for writing. Uh, she at least got an Oscar for one of them. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I, I am. I am thrilled that that's the one that snuck in. Uh, you know, if, if, uh, if we're talking about the film, you know, of, of, of everything, ever all at once and all part of the Western front and dominating the night that women talking was the one that snuck in there and got the award. Superb. And yes, the fact that Sarah Polly is, Hopefully now an Academy member. I hope she decided to join. <laughs> if she wasn't already a member, then yeah, that's uh, more Canadians in the Academy is a good thing. Yeah. Um, other than that, I mean, the only other field where I was like, I don't know what I think deserves to win because there's so many good picks uh, was animated film, which was just a fantastic lineup of movies this year. Yep. And I, it was always going to go to Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Um, yep. Which... I love that movie. I think it is, I think it is every bit the work of craftsmanship that something like Avatar is. Um, you know, maybe probably more because it's all hand done. It's it's crazy the detail on that. Yep. But I love Marcel the Shell with shoes on. That was in my top ten list. I, you know, I not only love the Sea Beast, I apparently directed the Sea Beast. Um, <laughs> yes, yes, you did. Uh, I just rewatched Puss in Boots with my kids, and that is such a fun movie like yeah and then turning red probably my least favorite out of the five i love turning red i think it's a it's a great little movie i will uh i will i will complain about one category yeah uh and this is this is very much old man shouting at clouds i i grant i grant this is going to be the old middle-aged guy complaining let's talk about makeup and hair shall we (laughs) When the whale wins, the voiceover announces that they used no makeup on his face, that the digital, they, they digitally affected his face so that he could fully emote. They didn't put him under layers of latex. And that just makes me go, well, that's not makeup. <laughs> what, what's that then? That's not makeup. That's something else. That's special effects. That's not makeup. This is like this is my problem when when the original uh, Avatar won art direct or cinematography. I'm like, what did they shoot? They didn't shoot anything. What 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 do what do I see that a camera captured? Nothing. How do I know how good the cinematography is? I have, okay. <laughs> the whale is another one I have not gotten around to yet, um, mainly because Darren Aronofsky makes me very sad, and <laughs> I haven't been <laughs> I haven't been in the mood to want to be that sad lately. Um, so. But I do understand. So was it all for the fat suit under the face? I guess. I'm assuming it had to be because it really was a shame where like you saw all the other nominees there and you're like, 
oh, those are all so much more interesting. Like, like the Elvis stuff was oh, great. The El- yeah. Oh, when like- he, those few seconds of the movie where he is a, he is fat Elvis are, are kind of jarring. Like, that's a better fat suit than uh, the whale. And not just um, that. I mean, just to go with uh, you know this all the stuff with Priscilla, uh, mm-hmm. this, even the stuff with the Colonel looks great. Like, not yeah. the performance that you want, but that's, that's a really good makeup job over the course of. 30 years of taking somebody or 20 at least uh it's it's uh, yeah that seemed like a really lazy win well also i will say if we're if we're i mean it seems like every category or every nominee in this category was for a fat suit in some way um maybe (laughs) not black panther or uh all quiet on the western front but the batman had colin farrell in such a convincing fat suit that i did not like i kept forgetting it was colin farrell um that's impressive yeah and he's very good in that movie he had a good Um, year he oh he had such a good year yeah have you gotten around to after yang yet no i haven't i I know i know i've heard i know um i i think there was a part of me kind of hoping they would uh give spielberg the director trophy for uh fablemans um but that was a sentimental pick um even as a spielberg guy i i would have made more sense giving it to tar or uh you know something out i'm um i I, everything ever all once would not have been my first pick for best picture i might have still even given the daniels best director oh really <laughs> they okay. might they might have been my top choice i do think that that's like i said just the fact that that film feels so handcrafted in the best sense yeah. like not in the wes anderson sense in the i made this in my basement sense you know <laughs> i know it doesn't it wasn't i'm not saying it looks chintzy or like it was made cheaply but I, 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 you know, they were everywhere for the last three months campaigning very effectively to win this Oscar. Mm-hmm. And the story is compelling. And because it's true. I know. I, I remember their first film. <laughs> I love their first film. Had the same exact feel to it. The um, one that sh- I like. I like them. I'm, I'm a fan of the entire sensibility. Yeah. The one that shocked me for everything, everywhere, all at once is when they awarded it for best film editing. And you found out. It was the guy's second film. <laughs> like, I, how are you alive at the end of editing that movie? That that is a great like, and the editing is why it works so well. Watching it again, I'm like, this movie should not make the sense it makes. Yes, agreed. And it holds together so well. I need to watch that again. I've I've gone back and watched the uh, you know the uh, laundry and taxes scene like so many times and the whole kindness scene but i just need mm-hmm. to go back and rewatch the whole movie again i have it on 4k blu-ray it's real good it's mm-hmm. real real good i'm i am very happy at, i'm i am very pleased at one and i'm sure next to doing a marvel movie or something like that so. <laughs> oh i hope not <laughs> I, I hope not either hope I, I, I my my the greatest joy would be if they never touched a franchise movie um and they just got like this was their blank check to do whatever they wanted to do that is 10 times weirder the next time around the the only warning that came to my head was watching them accept that best director oscar and knowing they're about to win best picture uh do you know the white stripe song little room yeah that's what i okay yeah Yeah. (laughs) it's like oh i hope you can hold on to this you need to remember that this is how you make movies. And I mean, I don't mean this. I don't mean that for everybody. Like this is how you, the Daniels 
make movies. Don't change this. <laughs> this this is you. <laughs> yeah, it it's they work really well under limitations. Yeah. Um, you know, it's what's that movie that was the Werner Herzog, uh, the Five Obstructions. Oh no, that's um, uh, yeah, it's that's uh, von Trier. Von Trier, von Trier okay. yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. Um, yeah, it's been a long time on that one, but yeah, you do your best work with limitations and. I, I shudder to think of them being given a lot of uh, CGI just to play with. And no. Yeah, I hope they won't. I, I don't think they will. I'm hoping. I, I'm hopeful. Um, do you have anything else you want to say on the nominees or the winners or the show? Uh, okay, one more factoid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, everything, everywhere, all at once joins, becomes the third film in history to have three acting Oscars won for it. Joining two movies yeah. that uh, it, it it shares nothing else with, which would be Network and Streetcar Named Desire. <laughs> like that's, that's a fun triple feature, right? That's yeah. that's three different <laughs> movies. You could have a really good day at the movies with those three movies. Vastly different films, each and every one of them. That might be more whiplash than going from a uh, cocaine bear to Jesus Revolution, <laughs> or all five obstructions. Yes, yeah. <laughs> well, one thing you had suggested we do. Uh, was to go through our preferential ballot for the Best Picture nominees. Yes. If we got to vote, if we were Academy members, how would we rank these 10 films? And so we can go, if we want to start at the bottom and work to the top. I think so. um, I will do the caveat. I have not seen two of the Best Picture nominees. Um, I have not seen All Quiet on the Western Front, and I have not seen uh, Triangle of Sadness. Okay. Okay. and I am assuming you still have not seen Avatar. That's correct. And that's why it's my number 10, Chris. <laughs> and I'm sure if I saw it, it'd still be my number 10. I have no doubt believing that. It's my ballot. I get to do what I want. Were I, a cat, were I an Academy member, I would do my duty and go see it. But I'm not, so I can put it 10th. All right. That, that, that's good. I'll, uh, if, we're, if we're allowed to uh, rank movies we haven't seen, I will put uh, All Quiet on the rest, Western Front as my 10th, just because I've seen war movies. And, um, <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I, maybe it would surprise me, but I have a feeling it's something I've seen before, um, which maybe I'm wrong. The problem with it is it is, it is good enough. It's, 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 it's the Dominic Chazelle syndrome. It's good enough that all I can do is think about all the films I've already seen that have done this already and not necessarily better, but at least first, if not better. Yeah. And often better. And not that it's bad. It's a good movie. It's 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 a very well-intentioned good movie. Okay. What would be your number nine? My number nine would be Top Gun Maverick. Okay. Because it's there because it made $400 million and for no other reason. We'll get to that in a minute on mine. But I remember <laughs> you had a statement when we were talking about it initially. It's very good product. And yes. that is that has been stuck in my head because that is the best description of that movie. Yeah. Um, I think it, yeah, yeah, I'll get to that in a minute. My number nine would be uh, Triangle of Sadness, just because I haven't seen it, so I, I'm not going to rank it among the films I've seen. Um, I could very well love this movie. I Ruben Osterlin did um, Force Majeure a few years yes. back, which I loved, so yes. I, it's just a matter of it being very long, and it was actually kind of hard for me to find, so. We'll talk about it shortly in okay. a little more detail. Number eight. Number eight for me is Elvis. Okay. Which okay, so let's get to so if I if I'm like putting this in tiers, like Avatar and Top Gun, that's my bottom tier. Mm-hmm. And about the next the next 
three, I have, I could, I could, depending on my mood, I could probably flip around, but I'll, I'll explain why I have them in the order I have them. Elvis is at eight because Elvis is the one that is um, most successful for the least amount of time. <laughs> for me it, of the of this set of films i do think the first about 35 minutes of elvis is really excellent mm. everything through everything until he has his scene the first scene with elvis at home with mama is where <laughs> it's go it's like oh we're gonna do this um up to that point it's everything it's better than the than the film i expected quite frankly Baslerman really does figure out how to present visually what elvis was doing musically um, in a way that isn't like saying, this is what I'm doing. He just does it. It's what Bez Lerman at his best does really, really well. Um, and then even after it veers into regular regularness, uh, it, it never stays there. It never gets in a rut. It's a movie that surprised me how good it plays over the course of two and a half hours. Um, and so for that reason, yes, I have Elvis. I have Elvis eighth on the list. And a film I genuinely like. So I'm happy to have that there. I have Elvis eighth on my list as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think I agree with you on a lot of that. It's a movie I enjoyed watching even while I was like, I don't think this is technically good. Um, it, is, <laughs> it is a movie that feels like Boz Lerman shot a six hour miniseries and then cut a two and a half hour trailer. Um, it, it, it moves like that. I think I saw someone say it should have won an award for best feature length trailer. Um, <laughs> And it is, I mean, that's kind of what Baz Luhrmann does. He, you, his movies are all montage half the time. And that's part of the joy is how fast his movies move. And they move with the kind of this delirious speed, which, yeah, I agree. The first half hour or so of that movie is really enjoyable. Uh, even if there's a lot of Tom Hanks riding around a ghost casino or something like that. I was okay with um, that early on. It, it is, it's energetic. If you're not a Baz Luhrmann fan, this is not going to change your mind. But I mean, Moulin Rouge is kind of our go-to Valentine's Day movie in our house. And uh, in its best best moments, Elvis kind of, you you can kind of feel that same vibe. And Austin Butler is just, like, he's possessed. It's it's such a good performance. Yes, it is. Um, So, yeah, I enjoyed watching it, even if I was like, I don't think this is good. And I'm really exhausted. Uh, (laughs) So, Yeah. yeah, Elvis. Yeah. Uh, number seven for you, Perry. A Triangle of Sadness, okay. which, uh, like Elvis, has a really great half hour in it. It just happens to be the middle half hour. Um, I'm with you. I really love Force Majeure. That's a really funny movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, really smart. Really funny. Uh, really uncomfortable. Uh, yeah. And this is... Um, the problem for me is the best parts of Triangle of Sadness aren't as good as that movie so it's like well okay you're being praised now for doing what you've already done but not as well and you're taking a much bigger swing um i think the first half hour of triangle of sadness is um not as good as zoolander and that's less of an insult than you think it is because i really love zoolander okay i don't know if you were talking zoolander zoolander 2 oh zoolander 2 is atrocious but (laughs) zoolander's masterpiece i adore zoolander um as far as making fun of models uh it's like okay this is not you're not breaking new ground here it is it is i will give it credit for having the best reveal of what the title means of any movie in this set that's that's really good i will give it that um and then it takes a half hour to basically set up the third half hour i enjoyed that second half hour 
love the third half hour where it's just a Boonwell film. It is a half hour of people uh, pooping and puking all over the place. It's very effective. It's very funny. It really works. And then I think his last hour, he doesn't know what he wants to do. And so does this thing that looks like it's meaningful, but I don't think it is. Uh, And so I was left very, very, very dissatisfied with Triangle of Sadness um, while appreciating the half hour that it does pull off is is, is pretty good. It's, it's, It's enough to justify the film's existence, although I think this is a very, very kind Best Picture nomination. Yeah, it, it seemed like the uh, the art house pick they always got tossed in there. Um, well, I still want to see it. I, I like Ruben Osterlander's first film. Uh, so number seven for me is Top Gun Maverick, a movie that my dad has called me unpatriotic for not thinking should win Best Picture. Uh, um, <laughs> I, you know, I the thing is, I've gotten a reputation as someone who hates Top Gun Maverick just because I said it wasn't the best movie of the year. I really like Top Gun Maverick. It's fun. I saw it in theaters. I had a great time with it. It was one of the first 4K Blu-rays I picked up. I will happily watch it again. But, um, you know, there's all these people saying Tom Cruise saved cinema. You should reward him. Tom Cruise, you know, flew in those planes. You should reward him. And I'm just thinking of the Don Draper quote. That's what the money's for. Exactly. Like, like that. Yeah, we, we did reward him. We went to the movies and gave that movie a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. It's perfectly fine. It's fun. It's a great roller coaster. It, yes, reminded me that I like to see real people on the screen doing real things, uh, which makes it kind of ironic what my number six movie will be. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, mm-hmm. Top Gun Maverick's reward is that I had a good time. And that's mm-hmm. that's why it exists. And I'm glad people loved it. Just not best picture for me. Mm-hmm. All right. Number six. Uh, ending out this tier for me is All Quiet on the Western Front, hmm. which is, yeah, it's so hard to, look, it's, it's, it is it's a, they made the movie they wanted to make. Absolutely. This is an uncompromisingly grim anti-war film. No one will see this and think war is good or fun. Uh, but you know, Kubrick made Paths of Glory, which is one of the 10 greatest films ever made. Certainly the greatest World War I film ever made. And we're only a couple of years removed from 1917, which gets mm-hmm. at all of this in, uh, has just as much emotional power uh, as the payoffs for this movie at an hour less running time and a lot more visual inventiveness. So it's kind of like, you're good enough to remind me of all the films that are better than you. And I appreciate the sentiment I have no problem with. I understand the desire to make it. I understand the, the the how well they pull off what they're doing here. It just doesn't seem necessary, which is a terrible thing to say, but that's how it feels. But it's very good. It's really well done. I will eventually get around to that. It's sitting there on Netflix. Makes you it might easy. not. You might not. I got to be oh. honest. You might, you might not. <laughs> You say that, but you might not, and it's yeah, okay. Yeah, it's, it's going to be one that disappears. Okay. It, it might disappear. It's okay. All right. My number six is Avatar The Way of Water. Um, I totally understand why this is that, that one you're setting foot in theaters to see. Um, I had a great time with it. Uh, it is spectacle like I have never seen. I, I think it is truly a work of craftsmanship. Um, to watch that, especially when you see so many movies – 
that have hundreds of millions of dollars thrown at them and everything looks like crap. Um, I, I just saw Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, which I'm sure cost $200 million and it, it looks awful. It's it, like these special effects are awful. And uh-huh. Avatar is proof that if you take time and you are an obsessive like James Cameron, you can <laughs> actually create something that is indistinguishable from reality. Like it is crazy to look at that movie and think the water doesn't exist. The people don't exist. Everything is tactile and real. Um, I am a sucker, as I said in my John Wick review, uh, for um, big, smart action sequences. And I feel like it's a reminder that every blockbuster out there right now is sucking it up when it comes to action sequences. Um, I, I think I like Avatar mainly because I like big movies and it reminds me how bad most big movies really are. Um, I, I had a great time with it. There's an hour long stretch in the middle that felt like a nature documentary, which, uh-huh. which is crazy because it's about space whales. Um, but I could have sat there for an hour watching the space whales and been perfectly happy. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. I, I liked Avatar quite a bit. Good. Number five. Uh, number five. In, in a tier all its own, I have Fablemans. Okay. Uh, because it is the one film this year that feels like a giant personal statement from a gargantuanly influential filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a very successful one at that. Uh, I really love the Fablemans. I, I it's the film I wanted Spielberg to make for 40 years. He finally made it. I thank him for making it. I'm glad it was nominated for a bunch of Oscars. Uh, I'm also kind of okay with the fact that it didn't win any, although Michelle Williams would have been deserving. <laughs> uh, my number five is also The Fablemans. Um, nice. W- which is funny because I remember when I saw it, there was a big part of me thinking, oh, is this my favorite movie of the year? Um, and then just with time, it kind of settles into its right place, right? But uh, it, it's a movie I really like. I think it is, you know, it, Spielberg, in my opinion, has still been making great movies over the last few years. There's a Tintin and a uh, Ready Player One in there. But, uh, you know, I, I like the work he's been doing, but I feel like The Fablemans is, it, it's the first time we've ever seen him in his movies, right? It's it's very personal. It's it's And not in the way you would think, like, this is the movie sold as Spielberg's uh, Magic of the Movies film. And it's not that. It no, is not. It is just about how much, it is just as much about how film ruined his life as it is about how it created Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Um, it's complex. And like you said, it feels personal. It feels, it feels autobiographical in the way that it's not the surface details. It hits emotional details yeah. that I wouldn't have, like it hints at a darkness to Spielberg that I wouldn't have thought he'd tackle. Um, I really enjoy it. There are just four fantastic films right above it on this yeah. list. Um, I mean, any other year I could see this sweeping everything and Spielberg's been my guy for a long time, but even I was like, yeah, out of all the nominees for best, best director and stuff, Spielberg's probably the least deserving of this, um, which is crazy. Cause I think it's one of his better films. So. Agreed. Number four. Uh, number four, I have everything everywhere all at once. Okay. I would have had number four on my list. And again, this next tier, these are all the A's and A pluses. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
Same. To varying degrees. This is not, I have no problem with this winning. I don't think this, I don't think my number one is infinitely better than this movie. Uh, and it's fourth on my list, honestly, because at this point between the four of these, it's just a matter of personal taste. Like yeah. it's, not, it's, it's, I am attracted to what these other three films do more than what I am to what everything everywhere all at once does. And yet I'm in awe of what everything everywhere all at once pulls off and what it's trying to do and how successful it is at doing it all. And we've talked a lot about this movie. And if you haven't seen it, go! Yeah, what are you waiting it. for? It's great. Go see this movie. Uh, my number four, and I have a feeling we're going to be swapping. We, we've swapped fours and ones um, because my number four is Women Talking, um, which is a movie we talked a lot about on our last episode or one of our last episodes. Um, I, I mean, yes, it's very easy to say this movie just does what the title says. It is Women Talking. But it's about the importance of those conversations and what they mean to these women and what they allow them to envision for their lives. Um, and it's so engaging and emotional. Uh, I, I mean, I, Sarah Polly has made four films in the last. When 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 did Away from Her come out? So it's twenty. It's less than twenty. It was like two thousand five. Okay, so less than twenty years. Less than twenty years. She's made four masterpieces. I yeah. Like she has literally batted a thousand when it comes to making movies. And I don't feel like, I feel this is the first year where she, people began talking about her and recognizing that. Like I I, have seen a lot of people on Twitter saying, yeah, Sarah Polly just continuing to prove she's the best around. I'm like, you guys were very quiet when I take this waltz came out. Um, (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I've seen a lot of stands for that come out of the work now, but I'm like that, you know, she's happened at the time. Yep. Not happened at the time. Yeah, so women talking by number four. I'm sure we're going to be talking about it again in a few minutes. We will be. All right. Number three. Banshees of Inisherin. Okay. Uh, because Martin McDonough knows how to do this. I'm a, I've become a big Martin McDonough fan. Really, Seven Psychopaths is the only film of his I kind of don't like. And mm-hmm. even that's good. Like, I, don't, I don't hate it. I just think it's the least. I think it's the one that... Uh, I think he falls into uh, Tarantinoing just a bit with that one, where it's too cute by half. He really yeah, likes to have the people talk in ways that make this a movie, as opposed to uh, what he did best in uh, Billboards and Here, which is amplify with really great dialogue the themes he's getting at. Uh, I, I love Banshees. Uh, I love the amount of people I talk to who went into it thinking it was some sort of funny Irish comedy and then were horrified by what they sat through. <laughs> but um, uh, it, it, for me, accomplishes, uh, it, <laughs> it accomplishes everything All Quiet on the Western Front is trying to do with an hour less time and way more entertainingly and just as profoundly distressing. <laughs> We'll be talking about that one again in a minute, too. Excellent. Um, number, three, number three? My number three is Tar. Um, a movie that, and this is where I'm starting to, I realized my preferential ballot didn't quite dovetail with my favorite movies of the year. Favorite movies of the year, I had Tar down a little bit lower, and I think it's only because it leaves me feeling a little cold. Like, it, it, I felt like it kept me at a little bit of a remote. Um, so I, it was one of those ones that I kept thinking I appreciated more than I enjoyed. But it has stuck around like that is such a well-imagined perfectly written perfectly acted movie um 
and it, it's I, I do think this is going to be on par with uh there will be blood that, and i mean it makes sense it's it's kind of the same type of movie it is about a key <laughs> figure who dominates this entire movie but the movie around that character is also very rich and doesn't give you easy answers mm-hmm. um I, I enjoyed this movie quite a bit i enjoy it more the more i think about it and i think when i look back on this in a few years it could be a movie where i'm like why didn't i have that even higher on my list um <laughs> I, I really like tar uh there is a reason why so many journalists i saw were surprised to come out of that movie and be like wait so who was lydia tar she's a real person right it's no but <laughs> It's just so well imagined and written. And I would have assumed Todd Field had a background in music and he does not. He, uh, like that. Not classical music. Credit. To yeah. be fair. He... Right. But not this world that she was in. Right. Um, which is even more amazing. Um, yeah. So I, I really like Tar. It is, it is a great movie. I'm assuming it's your number two. Uh, my number two is Women Talking. Really? Yes. Okay. I would have thought that would have been one. Sarah Polly's Women Talking, which we've talked at length about, so there's no need to to uh-huh. state it all, other than to say if you are if you are worried that this is a movie that is specifically just about women talking, pay attention to her acceptance speech. That acceptance speech was a better explanation of what this movie is and what her purpose in making is and what it's genuinely about than uh than any piece of criticism i've read about it which makes her again remarkable she's not only a really great director she knows exactly why she's doing it and how she's doing it she's so good chris she's so good she is uh, number two for me banshees of Inna sharon um it's funny you you talk about how people went in might go in expecting an i you know a funny irish comedy and walk out horrified my wife learned about what this movie is about and won't watch it because she's afraid she'll be so depressed. And I'm like, yeah, but you're also going to laugh a lot too. Um, <laughs> it, it is it is a movie that perfectly mingles tragedy and comedy. Um, it, it's I laughed more at this movie than any comedy I saw last year. And then I also had my heart broken several times through it. It is it's, fantastic. Yeah, it's a gut I, punch of a movie in the, in the best way. Yeah. Uh, And tomorrow, uh, well, as this will be airing, this might actually publish on St. Patrick's Day, which might be a perfect day for people to uh, finally get around to Banshees of Inisharan. Agree. Number one, Perry. Tar. Yeah. Okay. I I thought about it between Tar and Woman Talking Forever and Ever. And the fact is, it just comes down to Tar. uh, Tar tar wins on cinematic grounds. (laughs) Just, it is, it is such a leap. It is such it is it is such an effortlessly effortful film. <laughs> this this shouldn't work this well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not just Kate Blanchett's performance, as you've been saying. It is the beautiful way that Todd Field modulates everything. Um, it is that first great reveal of her horribleness when she confronts her daughter's bully at the school. Mm-hmm. That that was the point where I went. Oh, I love this movie. I don't like this movie a lot. I love this movie. After these, you know, these those those three 15-minute conversations that open the movie, uh, you get this scene of this, you realize how awful this person is. Mm-hmm. And then you just can't wait to see how that plays out. And yet you know how that's you know what's going to happen at that point. You understand who she is, and that you understand how out of control she is, as controlled as she appears. And and still, 
he finds ways to make me interested and keep guessing exactly how it's all going to go wrong. <laughs> yeah. It, it is such a good movie. It's spectacular. It is, it, it is a great character study. It is a brilliant character study. And it is about, you know, like women talking is about so much more than women's issues. Tar is about so much. Tar is one of the best films about an artist made by another artist that I've seen. And I love those kind of movies. Uh, it gets at issues that uh, culture warriors want to fight about and it doesn't want to fight about it. It just wants to say, well, here, what about this? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about this. Yeah. And it, with absolute confidence, it's, it's, I love Tar. <laughs> I just love Tar. Tar's great. Uh, Todd Field, another uh, director who is batting a thousand, but yeah, taking, three for three. Taking slightly yeah. over 20 years to do it. But uh... <laughs> neither of them are getting, not, neither of them are getting to the plate four times a game every day. But when they show up, they are smacking it out of the park. Yeah. Uh, so my number one is a write-in. It is Judd Apatow's The Bubble. Um, <laughs> should have swept the entire awards. Uh, it's a movie about Hollywood, Perry. Uh, it is. Uh, it is. And all those wacky people that, that inhabit it. Yes. Uh, no, obviously mine is Everything Everywhere All at Once. Um, a movie that, yeah, I, I think I've said this before, but you know how when you go to a press screening and they have the representatives at the door, like waiting for your opinion as if you can crystallize it between the walk from your seat to the lobby while you're also realizing you have to go to the bathroom really bad. Um, I usually, I dread that. I dread going and talking to them and I ran out of everything everywhere all at once. I hunted down the screening rep and I could not wait to tell them that this reminded me the first time I saw eternal sunshine of the spotless mind, Mad Max Fury road uh, the matrix, which somehow this movie feels like it took all those and put them in a blender. Um, I love this movie. I can't foresee it not being on a best of the decade list for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's mainly because I, it, it is a movie that I feel is so close to falling apart at any moment. Uh, it, it is such a it is so much of a thing that should not work. I mean, we are talking about this probably has to be the first best picture winner to feature serious use of butt plugs since I'd say Chariots of Fire. Um, I think that's right. I yeah, think that's yeah. right. Uh, no, I mean, I, I remember watching this and thinking this is a brilliant movie. I love this movie. I love everything this movie is doing, man audiences are going to reject this it is going to get passed over for every single award because it is just too damn weird and uh i've been proven wrong and i am happy to be proven wrong um (laughs) yeah i I love this movie i I love this big messy warm-hearted movie uh and i will watch this again over and over i don't even think it's messy that's the thing it's really not (laughs) i i feel like it's crammed, right? Like it's crammed full of stuff in a way yes. that that feels like if they add one more thing, it's going to be too much. But they never add that one more thing to make it too much. See, and I would argue that they have built the world so well that they could add all they wanted. I think it could take even more. If you if you don't check out at Rakakuni, <laughs> you're not going to check out. And then you don't at all. It's yeah. I, I I it's a pretty fiendishly great movie. It is great. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I might watch it again this weekend. And it is still in theaters. Uh, in fact, I think a lot of these are streaming. I know Tar's on Peacock, um, which which feels like sacrilege. You shouldn't put Tar on Peacock. Uh, Agreed. I mean, Agreed. aside from the fact that Peacock is quietly becoming 
one of the better streamers out there. It still feels weird to have Tar, <laughs> you know, the little peacock come up before Tar. Um, no. Tar needs to go straight to Just, Criterion. Yeah, and I'm sure it will. They both did their closet picks together. So I'm yeah. sure that it will be there very shortly. Yes. <laughs> so, all right. Well, Perry, do you have anything else to say about this year's Academy Awards? No, no. I think I've said everything I could possibly say about this year's Academy Awards. Chris, how about you? Uh, no, I think I'm good. I think next year we'll be sitting here talking about the dominance of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Um, <laughs> you know, I, it'll be great when Kihai Kwan gets to hand the Best Actor Award to Harrison Ford. Um, <laughs> come full circle we'll at that Switcheroo point. for Best Picture this year. That's nice. <laughs> yes. Maybe he'll give him his Emmy because he should get an Emmy for shrinking. I, I have enjoyed him on that show. That would not surprise me at all if they did that piece of stunt casting. Yes. So, Perry. I think next time we're going to talk a little bit of shortcuts. I'm excited. Uh, continue our uh, Robert Altman marathon. I'm very um, excited. But in the meantime, where can people find you? You can find me on Facebook. You can hear me every Friday morning on the Lucy and Lance show on WLBY in Ann Arbor. Uh, I, is this coming out tomorrow, Chris? Is uh, this dropping tomorrow? Well, it. I mean, by the time they listen to it, it's always some tomorrow, tomorrow from some today. Uh, uh, if you uh, but that back, is my hope. Yes. If you go back and seek out the uh, Catholic Ray Mission uh, podcast live radio show uh, i'm going to be on there the uh, saint patrick's day that evening talking about doing a, a, a we we do a lot of directors that's been the focus when we focus on one person and we're gonna, finally going to do somebody who while they are a director their career is much more than that so we're going to talk a lot about george lucas uh Ooh. which i am interested to see Ooh. how this goes uh so yes i would encourage you even though we haven't done it yet to tune into that that would be i just read the uh biography of him a few years ago by i think brian j jones wrote it and it's it's fascinating he's a he's a he's a dude <laughs> he's a dude you must deal with yes he is uh you can find me i'm, I'm reviewing new releases over at cinema nerds that's cinema nerds with a z uh, but the best place to find me is at criticisms.substack.com that is my weekly newsletter um so i you know i'll I'll talk about a bunch of different things but it's also the home for we're watching here it's also the home for my other podcast which is it's my favorite which we just started up last month restarted with some friends and that's a kind of just pop culture hangout podcast we should have a second episode out soon that uh that gets out once a month or so uh whenever we can all get together and hang out um we're gonna get perry on there one day because i want to get some special guests on there um but then you can also find me on Twitter while that's still around at Mere Christianity. Um, you know, dig through your for you and following pages. But, uh, you know, just find me on Criticisms if you want to stay away from Twitter, which is the smart thing to do these days. It really is. So we'll be back in a few weeks continuing our look at Robert Altman's films. Uh, in this meantime, enjoy your uh, St. Patrick's Day, everyone. <laughs>